episode of That's My Dad. And, man, I got to tell you, this is this is one of the most thrilling interviews I've done. I got my, my elementary school buddy, Charlie Parker. And Charlie, welcome to the podcast, first of all. Scott, it's great to be here. I'm man. excited. So uh, I've just been so excited about getting you in here because we were – Elementary school buddies, fourth and fifth grade. Is See, like, two, like two years ago, right? Yeah, it seems like just <laughs> yesterday. And we haven't, I've kept up with you all through the years. And you, man, you've become such a successful person and such a respected person in the community. You're the principal at Litchfield Middle School now. And we're going to dig into some of that. But uh, I haven't gotten to spend a lot of time with you. But man, just one of my favorite people in the whole world. And so I've, I'm just, Extremely excited to have you here and to hear your story. You have one of the most fascinating stories of anybody I know. So hang on, guys. You, you, you're gonna, this is going to be a good one. But I want to okay. start, Charlie. Okay. We, before, you know, we were, we were chatting and I pulled up some old pictures from us. We were, yeah. we were from elementary school. We were on the basketball team and we ran track together. Yeah, that's correct. But, I appreciate those pictures. I hadn't seen those in. You know, quite a – it's been a long time. It's been 40 or 50 <laughs> years. Literally, it's been, what, it's 45 years, I guess. Yes, it has. Exactly. Charlie, I really didn't realize your story, but it's a, it's a fascinating story, and I need to just be quiet for a minute and let you tell that story about your family. And your okay. Well, I guess my background is, is a little interesting um, – uh, f- from, I guess, day one. Um, but uh, I-, I grew up uh, in a household of, uh, we'll say, it was 11 people in the house. Um, and, of course, it's including my parents uh, and along with my siblings. So it's, it's kind of six boys and three girls. Six boys and three girls. Um, uh, that's in my uh, just immediate family with my mom. So, um, and then, of course, that was mom and my, my stepdad. Uh, the interesting thing is, um, I guess I could have started off by saying uh, that uh, my um, biological dad died when I was five years old, and then my stepdad died actually when I was 12. But uh, in, in that, that moment, in that period of time, I guess from uh, I guess being born to 12, uh, I kind of had some, some guidance, but yet um, in that time it was pretty much um, – uh, Growing up being the uh, next to the youngest, it's kind of like hand-me-downs. Mm-hmm. Uh, constantly, all the time, it was hand-me-downs uh, at an early age. But uh, we had three bedrooms in that house, mm. and there's 11 of us, Love three nice. bedrooms. of uh, mom and daddy's room, uh, the girls' room, and there was the boys' room. And so uh, in the boys' room with six of us, we had to get in where we fit in. Uh, <laughs> looking at bump beds, back in the day it was roll-away beds. Um, they may still have them today, but back then it's the one you fold up daytime and let out during the night and then out the larger bed so we had to kind of you know bunk together and me and my youngest brother uh, uh, James actually we had to we was the one that was always together and uh, everywhere he went I went everywhere you know uh, he went I went so it was just one of those things but it, it was a lot uh, we didn't have a whole lot um, but uh, my mom and dad did work at a uh, and so to a certain time when mom was di- disabled, she wasn't able to work. And so, uh, and after, uh, especially after my dad died, uh, um, after my stepdad was 12 years old, 
then she was actually on disability. And now you're looking at how we're going to survive. Eleven. You know, there's, there's, there's still ten of you there. <laughs> right. There's a lot of us wow. there. And so we made in meets. Um, but I guess in uh, some of the things later I can point out to you a little bit more, uh, I guess, as you kind of – Yeah. So – continues though but T- tell me how your 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 biological dad died when you were five uh, five years old yeah and, right. I, and, and so you had a younger he, brother you had uh, one yes, younger, younger sibling mm-hmm. okay right, so there's one younger and there's nine older and uh actually uh eight older in the household uh, i'm sorry seven older in the household and i'm i'm that eighth one and he's the so there's nine nine kids and your and your dad died. What was what were the circumstances so, of that? So um, my dad died. My biological dad well, actually wasn't in the home at mm-hmm. the at the time, right? Okay. So that's that's the strange thing about it. He okay. wasn't in the, uh, in the household at the time, and so uh, once he passed, that's when my um, stepdad. So actually, was living. With just my mom, you were living without a dad, <laughs> right? For the, dad for the first five first years, years anyway. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, and so my stepdad was kind of in the picture, you know, on and yeah. off, and so and then basically he uh, was the one that really kind of just raised me. And he came in you know? when you were mm-hmm. five or six, yeah. something well, I like think that. Probably a little bit older. Uh, I mean, a little bit younger than that. Yeah, okay, a younger than that. So he came in um, exactly around probably when I was. One actually, okay. <laughs> so he was okay. always kind of in the picture. And you had him yeah. until you were twelve, 12. years old. What what happened to him? Yeah. Now this was the interesting thing about that, uh, and I never forget it. And I remember the day that actually he died. And this is uh, I can I, I love to share this because it was something that really um, had me down and depressed for a long time. And this story right here, uh, and, it's, and I, I share this story all the time. Uh, it was me and my brother, younger brother, uh, and, we, and about two of my friends who were in the community. We went down to uh, downtown, downtown mm-hmm. Atella. We went down that way, and there's a store called a Five and Ten or Five and mm-hmm. Dime store. We went yeah. I don't know if they still have them today or not, but I haven't seen one. They're the ten dollar wow. and the twenty dollar now. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. And so we went down there, and one of my friends convinced me, uh, "Hey, what, let's, let's get some caps." I said, "I don't have any money to get caps." I said, I just come down here because we were just walking around. He said, well, just go ahead and get these. He said, I said how are you going to get them? He's like, well, this is how you get them. Just kind of put them in your pocket and we'll walk out. I was like, okay, do, do we need to do that? And I was like, I don't know about this, man. This is this is weird. And so, never, you know, uh, nevertheless, I did it. And so I took it and I was walking home. i never forget, it was on the track. And I was like, man, something bad is going to happen to us. Because we took something that didn't belong to us, we actually stole this, and there's something bad that's gonna happen to us. And I, all the way home, I, I was saying that, and it's like, oh man, you're gonna be okay. I said, no, something bad's gonna happen. And so later on that night, we get our little cap guns, and we put the little caps in it. Cause we got the caps, we already had the gun, but we didn't have any caps. Mm-hmm. So now, how do we get caps? <laughs> so we're talking about the little rolls of paper rolls, that you yeah, pop. Well, actually, mm-hmm. it was like a revolver. And it put those little red okay. caps in. Yeah. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so we just shoot them, and it goes in a circle, and we pull them out and place them in there again. Yeah. And so I, I can remember this now. We out on the porch uh, at my house, and uh, we, all four was out there. We was uh, shooting caps, and we just thought that was funny, you know, to shoot caps and making the noise. And so I remember my daddy come up steps, um, and he asked us how we was doing. We was doing fine. So he goes in the house, and you know, nothing really. Uh, you know, other, any other conversation that was shared between us. And so 
oh, and I'm still thinking in my head, we did something wrong. It ain't gonna, it's, it's not right. And so um, late on that night, we all go, we were still there. I think one of my friends went home, and so we go back to the, uh, uh, we call it the back room, which is the, the uh, uh, boys' room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, we would sit in uh, like oh, it was a little small sofa in there, so we would sit on it. And i never forget this, and I think my other friend may have went home too. I don't know. But I remember this plane today. I can remember my mom actually coming in and uh, asking one of my older brothers to come in to see if uh, um, uh, uh, my dad was breathing. And I was like, that's weird. And uh, so we all go in there to see what's going on. And actually, he's on the floor. He had a heart attack on the floor right there. And so I can remember seeing him and my brother's trying to shake him a little bit. And I could see stuff running out of his mouth. And check his pulse, check his pulse. He didn't have a pulse. He was dead. And so I can, in that moment, I thought about what I did. And Uh. I blamed myself for years. I mean, because I, and I never shared it with anybody because I was afraid they was really going to think it was my fault. So I remember just running out the house, going across the street, um, and my friend's uh, parents' house. I never forget it. And I just broke down the floor that dead my dad's dead and it's like what's going on so they brought me back and it was it's just chaos going back yeah. to the house uh really chaos there and uh so the whole time i'm thinking i know something that they don't know it's my fault <laughs> so that yeah. stayed with me for i want to say about 30 35 years really you were 12 I, years old yes and the whole time i'm thinking I did this. This is my fault. And the thing about it is, Scott, it was like three days before Christmas. And now this was the worst Christmas ever. You know, at 12 years old, I'm thinking it's my fault. And it was no longer a surprise anymore. Christmas just wasn't Christmas anymore. Mm -hmm. You're taking down trees, preparing for a funeral. And I'm like, man, I can't believe it's my fault. Never shared it with anybody. What I did until... Really, until actually I got saved, and then I, I really had to share it with somebody. And then I felt at that moment I was released um, from depression. I was released from anything that was really holding me back from being, I really, uh, I guess, the, the father that I needed to be to my kids. Uh, and, and, you know, and so I, it, it, was, it was really beneficial to me to release that. And so that was a, a really difficult time in that moment because. Here it is, I had a father who wasn't, you know, my biological father, but he was always there for me uh, and provided for me and, you know, and was there um, uh, as a husband to my mom. But yet now I killed him. Mm. (laughs) So um, just imagine me at 12 years old, I'm going back to school after Christmas, and I'm like, this is in my head that I really messed up. Wow, really, totally. This is the first time yeah. I'm hearing this story. Yeah, and yeah. Our mutual friend David Williams had mm-hmm. said, "You got to hear Charlie's story." And <laughs> now I know why. Yeah, yeah, That's it's, incredible. It's crazy, man. And because uh, we didn't have much at the time, and so now I'm having to depend on my brothers and everybody else to kind of, you know, be the the helpers. We all had to chip in and and, uh, and be a part. But thanks uh, to my uh, dad for really showing me the uh, the, the way. You know, through those years, though, through those yeah, those yeah. twelve years that you had, were yes. had an impact. <laughs> yeah, with impact. So you spent the next 
six or eight years, I guess, kind of going through high school, middle school without a dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that like? Scott, the interesting thing here was that when I was playing baseball, football, basketball, or even running track, I never had a parent to come to the games. Neither did my friends ever had parents to come to the games. So we thought it was normal that the parents stay at home and, you know, do home business and take care of that. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a, a like, hey, my parents are not here. No, we just go and enjoy ourselves and come back home. So I thought that was a normal thing. But as yeah. you get older, you're like, why are their parents here? Yeah. <laughs> their parents are always at the games. Why, you know, is it so important for the parents to be? And I was like, wow. So you, so went, you s- went through all those years that we were competing <laughs> against each other in middle school and high school, yeah. and you never had a parent that could come to one of your games. And I take that back. My mom came to two games when I was a senior, and uh, in both games she came to, I got injured, and she said, that's why I never came to any games. Is that when I hit you? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It could be. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm thinking, Charlie. You're, you've. I, w- I want to get into a minute into kind of the, the rest of the process. But you're a you're a successful guy now, and you're you're highly respected in the community. Very highly respected. Was there a point in your life where you kind of said, you know, "I I can do better," or, or what? I mean, what 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 is it? I guess I'm, what I'm looking for is because I've seen so many young guys who were in the situation mm-hmm. that you're in. And they just feel beat up and beat down, and right. they're never going to amount to anything. Look, I'm thinking, look at it, look at Charlie. What, what, what's the difference? I tell you the difference here. I was, uh, of course, um, in high school um, as a senior. My thing is, uh, I guess, because of the work ethics of my uh, father, I knew then that, and when I graduated, I need to. To, to work, I need to, you know, to be a provider. I need to, you know, take the pressure off my mom and actually, you know, and be uh, somebody in the workforce. And so what I did after my, my senior year, I never forget uh, Coach Young, who was really uh, a really good coach. Um, he would say, "Hey, uh, I got some people looking at you in, in college." And then I said, uh, well, "Coach, I said, they really don't think you know college is for me." I said, I'll just, uh, you know, get a, get a job and work like everybody else in my family. And so I kept getting a call from Coach Saunders from Jacksonville. This is a true story. <laughs> he kept calling me and said, you, you're coming? I said, no, Coach. I, he said, I heard you didn't go anywhere. I said, no, I don't want to play football. He said, well, I, I really would you know, love to see you come down. I kept sending letters, kept calling home. Mm-hmm. And he said, I tell you what, um, Terrell James, he said uh, he's he's a senior this year. He's doing a good job at Etowah. And so why don't you just come down with him for a visit? Y'all get together and come down. I said, well, you know, it won't hurt. And I said, and he still called me. And so I said, just to keep him from calling me, I said, I'll just yeah, go ahead and go. <laughs> so so I went and man, and been exposed to Jacksonville, which at the time wasn't a really great big, big college, but it's Jacksonville. Yes. I was like, man, this is unique. So I'm not seeing anything like this ever you in my not, life. You had not seen anything like that. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's yeah. different. I'm going to a college football game, and wow, this is interesting. I, now I, my eyes are open. And so um, I was like, this is pretty good here. I said, I kind of like this. Uh, so I go back, and, uh, and he kept calling, and he kept sending letters. I said, uh, and then this is when I had the conversation with my mom. I said, listen, man, I hadn't prepared for college. I don't know anything about college. Uh, I said, but um, is there any way that I can, what, what do you think if I gave it a try? 
And then we got to talking, and in the end result, she said, you know what? And we both come to an agreement that I don't like it, and we'll just stop. Mm-hmm. But now I'm trying to figure this thing out. How do I enroll in college on my own? How do I get prepared? And so I went through a lot of steps on my own trying to figure it out because I really wanted to go. Uh, and so once I get there, first day of college, uh, of course, I'm communicating with Coach Saunders, and this is how we're going to do this thing. This is what's going on. And so I finally figured it out, <laughs> you know, yeah. on my own paperwork, tons of paperwork, but I'm figuring it out on my own. It's just a matter of persistence, just, wasn't it? Right, yeah. And I said, I really want to do this. If I'm going to do it, I want to make sure I do it right. And so and that's how I actually got to college. And uh, my objective was to play football only. That was it. Nothing mm-hmm. else. I don't really care about if I – you know, play, get, keep my grades up enough to play football, I'm good. Graduating mm-hmm. from college, that was the last thing on my mind. And I get up that next morning, we have practice, and so I get ready, we go and dress out, we go in there. And i never forget this, man. I'm out there. This is the worst practice I ever had in my life. I'm in tip-top shape. I'm outrunning everybody. But I couldn't even breathe. I couldn't. Man, it was hard for me to do anything, and I just felt like, you know, one of those players that come in who just started, and everybody mm-hmm. just loved to hit and just loved to push around because yeah. they was like, you know, just, yeah. you know, it just kind of was there. It happens. It <laughs> happens. I felt like that player. Yeah. I was like, that's the sign. God's telling me I don't need to be out here. And so I, I, I went back to my, my room, and I said, I'm going to call my mom and let her know that apparently, you know, I, I, I'm not playing anymore. And so I called my mom and said, listen, um, I'm coming home. I'm not, you know, playing football anymore. And she said, and, and for my mom to say this is what really got me. She said, well, you're going to stay in school, right? I paused, and I never wanted to disappoint her. At this time, I'm already feeling bad because of what happened with my father. And I was like, yeah, so I'm going to stay in school. I'm just not going to play football. And that what kept me in school by her saying that, are you going to stay in school? Wow. And that, from that point on, I was able to actually um, have five degrees since then. Let me just wrap my head around this for a minute. <laughs> I'll let you rest. You, okay. you, you, you come out, you're, you lose your biological dad when you're five. Mm-hmm. You lose your dad who you can, was more your dad than right. anything mm-hmm. for 12 years, and you yes. lost him when you were 12. You're living in a house with nine siblings yes. in a two-bedroom house. Mm. Well, three of them. Well, basically it was coming out of my parents' room and then the kids. Mom, and then you had a boy's room and a girl's room. Mm-hmm. You get out and you go to work at Walmart and you're mowing grass for the city. Correct. You stumble your way into college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you play football for a year and you decide that God, that God had different plans for you. You end up with a bachelor's degree in business. Mm-hmm. You end up being a supervisor at a large company. Mm-hmm. You end up then with an administrative, go back and get a master's degree mm-hmm. in education. Mm-hmm. Then you get an administrative degree in education. Then you get an educational specialist degree. Right. Then you get a doctorate in theology. <laughs> yes. And you're to me, you're this mm-hmm. you're this kid that I ran around with and on the playground <laughs> in elementary school. Yes. Then you. As a result of all the hard work you put in and people liked you, you end up being the principal right. of a middle school. Mm-hmm. 
That's that's really an incredible story, Charlie. I don't know if anybody's <laughs> told you that. Yeah, it was it was interesting, and I uh, was an assistant principal at the high school for some years. Yeah, before transitioning to that, so yeah, it was it was. I never uh, imagined that. It was never my uh, vision uh, throughout the years. It's just as I as I kept pushing, and it's it's kind of like. Um, when you're in a a, 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 a bad place in, in your life and you just kind of, you just, now you're depending, um, you, you just say you, you're in, in the darkness and you're in a bad place. You just kind of feeling your way through and you got to be kind of sensitive to the Holy spirit. And that's kind of how my thing was. I was just trying to feel my way through, didn't know which direction that I was going, but I had to be really be sensitive to a lot of things to say, hey, you know, this is probably where you need to go. This is probably where you need to go. So the whole time it was just following. I just want to say just following and led by the spirit at the time to do the things that I did because I knew that God has a great work for me. We're going to do something. I've not, not done this yet, but your, your mom had you but through no choice of her own from 12 years on up. So she had to be mom and dad to you. And your mom's still living. So I always ask guys to speak into the camera their dad but your your mom kind of had to be dad too right i want to give you a chance to just speak into that camera to your mama mom i want to thank you for uh all all the years that you've been the provider that uh you've been um and i know it was difficult uh raising the the nine kids that you did and, and definitely having you know six boys to raise um and you being a a a a single mother at the time and so I know that was difficult and I appreciate the uh the love and the, the care that you uh that shown and displayed towards us and I know a lot of things uh you you had to do as a single mom and able to I, I guess for as um I will say split for lack of a better word right now divide your love between all your nine kids and I know there's some things that you felt that you probably didn't do and and, uh, as a mother, but you did the best that you knew how, and I, I, I'm grateful and thankful for you um, for the time that you've uh, shown us the way uh, with your unique way of uh, loving us, your new, unique way of just telling us to we need to do something uh, <laughs> and that we didn't have a choice, and I appreciate that, uh, all the guidance along the way. You really don't know how effective you were, and you made it and say a whole lot uh um, and, and shown uh, affection um, um, as much as you thought or we thought that we should have from you, but you did what you needed to do uh, to, to uh, I guess, uh, be a, a mother and a father for uh, uh, your children. I appreciate you for that. And uh, and you're 85 years old at this time, and uh, you, you're still uh, with a sharp mind. You got that wit about you, may not be in the good health, and you don't, um, for us mobility wise you're not getting around like you used to but you still have that sharp mind and always willing to put us back in our place and realize that uh, that you are always the mom that's something she always tells us that I'm still your mom and then I, I, I do respect it and I honor that that you are still our, uh, my mother and uh, I appreciate all the things that you've done and will be forever grateful and I really, really love you to the moon and back and you'll never know how much I, I do love you and so I want to thank you once again for uh, all that you've done uh, for us and that you're doing now while you're still, you know, living. I thank you for that. 
That's awesome. My mom had to be dad too. And that <laughs> happens sometimes. Yes, so yes, I know. That's awesome, Charlie. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate that. that. I appreciate that. And and um it was some difficult moments and uh <laughs> and really she she provided for us and uh and you know, thing that she the obstacles that she had to endure yeah. and overcome and still provided for us. Wow. So you're also a father. Mm-hmm. Tell, <laughs> tell us I, I, tell us about your wife and your, okay. and your you family. You know, my um, family, my kids wouldn't take nothing for them in the world today. Uh, they are interesting. Uh, they, they definitely uh, keep me on my toes. The good thing about my kids, uh, my uh, oldest kid, uh, my child, she's uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. She has three kids of her own, uh, and so they, they're, they're beautiful kids, and I, I love my grandkids. And um, so Simone is in um, uh, Arizona. Uh, just love my kids, uh, grandkids, love them to death. And then my um, uh, other child, uh, Kianja, and uh, she uh, actually graduated from UNA, uh, and so she's growing on her own too as well. Okay. And uh, my son... Um, uh, call him Little C. Of course, he's named after me. Little Charlie. Yeah, that's right. So he graduated from Jacksonville. Um, actually, this past May, wow. and so uh, they've gone on to do. Uh, and I'm I'm proud of them. Didn't pressure them to do it, but I, I appreciate them for you know doing what they're doing. And um, and my oldest daughter, she's in the process of uh, getting her uh, degree as well. And so uh, we're grateful for that. And so things that uh, I'm proud of them for that. And so. And my wife, she's always been really, um, you know, supportive in anything that I do. She's always there, giving me support, and uh, and we definitely um, have a good relationship. Um, and I think we feed off each other. We uh, try and support each other as much as we, we, we can, and then we try to be that example in front of our, our kids as well. You're what we call a a, a script flipper. Mm-hmm. You, you you change you you flip the script, and and you know you're gonna have generations to follow you that are gonna be successful and and honor honor god and and bring honor to you and and one of the things that one of the things that we've done is we were able to get in touch with i think one of your kids or maybe 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 more (laughs) kind of went behind your back you're such an incredible person Mm -hmm. to me but i think that the true value or the true the true picture of a man comes from what his children say about him. So I want you to watch what we found. Uh Hi, it's me, your daughter, Simone. I'm here with your lovely grandkids. They wanted to give a video, so here they are. Um, I want to say the thing I love most about you is your love and your compassion um, for not only your family, um, but for everyone. you are very personable. Um, you give the great advice. I can call you up at any time, any hour, um, and you will just literally, I feel like, drop everything and um, speak with me and um, just conversate with me. Um, my favorite story about you is actually, like, there's many, but um, I love when you would come and pick me up. We would have this, like, routine. Um, that we would literally go to Burger King um, and we would sit and we would eat and we would catch up on everything that we've missed um, in the past month or so. 
Um, and we would always go to the store and get those um, Vienna sausages, the hot ones. Um, or I don't, I think they're called Vienna, they're not called Vienna sausages, but the big mama hot wing sausages, which my kids love now because I have passed that down to them. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for being in my life and giving me encouragement and not hesitating to tell me you love me and letting me know how proud you are of me. Um, thank you for loving my kids and my family. Um, you have done so much for us and I cannot thank you enough for that love that you have shown us. And I miss you and I love you and I just thank you for everything. Hello, I'm Candy Parker. I'm my dad's middle child, um, the sneaky one, the rebel. Yeah, that's me. Um, one thing I love about my dad is just his consistency, his drive to do better at all times. And it doesn't matter what age he gets to, he's always going to be a better him. Um, his persistency, it doesn't matter what's, what the task is in front of him, he's going to get it done. He already knew he was going to get it done before he came his way. That's... Um, how much uh, confidence he has in himself as well that um, is a motivational force in my life because I I, I want to be like him every day just because of that. Um, uh, stories about my dad, I've heard so many stories about my dad from just his friends and his siblings and his mother, but for me, um, I think something that um, I take away from him and I use in my everyday life is just um, when he, you know, used to be my coach for any league that I played, whether it was softball, basketball, etc. Um, he was always there. He is always saying, you know, once you start something, don't quit. You know, go hard. Always go hard because you don't. You never know who's watching you, um, <clears throat> etc. Like that's something that I take with me and I use in any aspect of my life, whether it's in my job, whether it's just um, me you know, living my everyday life. I take that with me, it's always in the back of my head. Um, and dad, I wanna thank you for just always being there for me. I mean, you've never not been there for me. You were always in my life, even though we made a butt heads as as a child. And when I, you know, got too grown for myself, you were always there and you were always there to give me advice. It doesn't matter if you agreed with what I was doing or not, you were always there to give me motivational advice and loving advice and I, and I love that. Um, I'm grateful that you are my dad, and I'm grateful that, you know, God saw fit that, you know, to match us up. <laughs> and I love you. What I like best about my pops is, is the fact that he's a hardworking man. He makes things happen. And he makes the necessary sacrifices that he has to make. Uh, my favorite story about my pops is probably all his football stories from when he played back in the day. And pops, I just want to thank you for all your love and support that you've shown my whole life. Oh wow, and that's my and my son. You don't get him to talk much, but uh, he don't talk a whole lot. But he's, he's just talking a lot. That's one. awesome. <laughs> you tell they love you. Well, oh, wow. I just want to thank you for setting an example mm -hmm. because uh, I, you know I hope every kid that I've ever worked with can watch this and they can know there's hope. And look at Charlie Parker. <laughs> you want to see how it's done? Look at Charlie Parker. So thank you so much. I man. appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. Taking me back down memory lane and seeing those things that we started at a, some people call it Fourth Street School, but yeah. uh, tell out of memory. Um, wow. That concludes this episode of the That's My Dad podcast, where we're inspiring fathers to be great dads, and we're 
breaking chains of generational fatherlessness. This has been so much fun to me. See you next week.